Uh, I want to share a thought with you from Galatians chapter one. So if you have a Bible nearby that you can look at for just a moment, that would be great. Full disclosure, what I'm sharing with you today is something that I'm just meditating on for myself right now. And uh, I've taken the book of Galatians over the last several weeks, and I'm just going through it very slowly. I uh, don't know if I'm making a whole lot of progress in speed, but I'm making some progress in my soul, so I'm glad for that. And uh, I'm doing something, maybe many of you have done it before, I would definitely recommend it to you. I'm writing the book out in my journal. Uh, I think there's something, you know, we talk about reading scripture. I think there is something to writing scripture that helps you give attention to individual words and phrases and repetitions. Uh, you'll remember in the, in the Old Testament, of course, the scribes wrote out copies of the word of God. But did you ever notice that God even commanded his kings to write out a copy of the law? They had to physically, now think about this, David had all these scribes working for him, but he had to write out his own copy of the law. And I think it's because as you write out scripture, it helps you meditate on it. So I have before me, of course, my copy of the word of God, but also have in front of me my, my journal that I'm writing out Galatians in right now. And as I was writing out Galatians 1 recently, just going through it verse by verse, I noticed a repeated emphasis. And it's not just about prayer, but it's all about God, and that'll help us in prayer. Let me draw your attention to it. Look at Galatians 1 verse 1. It's really the way the book opens. Paul, an apostle, and then you see the parenthesis. Aren't you glad even God's parenthesis are inspired? All scripture given by inspiration of God. Look at the parenthetical statement here. He said, I'm an apostle, I'm a messenger, but he says this, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. I love this. Immediately, he takes the attention off of himself, and he takes the attention off of other men, and he puts all the attention on God. I've marked in my Bible, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. Now, that theme, I'm going to show you this in, in chapter one in just a moment, but that theme is woven through the entire book of Galatians. It's like repeatedly he's taking the attention off himself and off others back to the Lord, back to the Lord, back to the Lord. It's like the hymn writer writing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, I think it's easy for us to preach that to others and miss it ourselves. I'm going to tell you what I'm observing in my travels in and out of churches, and it's deeply concerning to me. But our American Christianity, and that's really what we, by and large, have promoted in recent generations. It's not Acts Christianity. It's a, it's a thousand miles from Acts Christianity. But our cultural type of Christianity gives a lot of attention and admiration and affection to men. And I think when you do that, immediately you miss the power of God. You miss the Lord in it. And frankly, and look, isn't it ironic? In the one area where we think we're most spiritual, our prayers, we're praying people. You can actually reveal how truly carnal you are. Even in your prayers, the prayers can be very man-centered. They can be very manward, what I want, what I think, what I feel, uh, or they can be concentrated on the person instead of on the Lord. And what I want to challenge you with today is our, our Christian faith, which means our preaching, our praying, our living, all of it has to be not men, but God. That's the little phrase I want the Holy Spirit to put in your heart today. Matter of fact, if you've got a pen handy, write that down. Uh, somebody said a short pencil is better than a long memory, right? So not men, but God. 
not men, but God. By the way, uh, if you drop the N on men, it's not me, but God too, right? So it's not, not me, not somebody else. It's the Lord. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In verse one, uh, his call was not of men, but God. All the authority of Paul's call, all the ability he operated in, the agenda, all of it didn't come from man, came from God. Uh, come down to verse 10. You see the theme that's woven. I mean, it's beautiful, like pearls on a strand in chapter one. Verse 10, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So not only was his call not of men, but God, but his goal was not men, but God. Um, he said, my goal is not to please you. My goal is not to please anybody but the Lord. I'll tell you something really interesting about this. What had Paul's previous life been all about? Before he got saved, his whole life was centered on one thing, pleasing men, the approval of men. He's dead to that now. He said, I don't care if, if you give approval of this or not, as long as the Lord approves it. <laughs> That's powerful. Not men, but God. Look at verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So his message was not men, but God. He said, look, what I'm preaching to you, uh, it, it came from God, and it's for God's purposes. I'm thinking now the Old Testament prophet Isaiah talked about the Lord's people being taught of God. Uh, that's powerful. There's a spiritual understanding here that didn't come from men. Uh, then come down to verse number 16 and 17. This really spoke to me. He said, reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went out to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. So when he first got saved and called, what did he do? Did he run straight to Peter, James, and John and say, tell me everything you know? No. God leads him into the desert of Arabia. You ought to study all the desert scenes of the Bible. God does a lot of amazing things out in the wilderness. Uh, sometimes God will get you by yourself. Maybe some of you are there right now. Uh, all the props have been knocked out. All the people have forsaken. Uh, somebody you had great hopes in has disappointed you. That may be the Lord's way of bringing you closer to himself, not men, but God. You see, even his instructors initially, it wasn't bad to confer with flesh and blood. He's going to do that at some point. He's going to go up to Jerusalem. But first, he had to get along with the Lord. I think there's a great priority in that. By the way, a little interesting footnote. Look at verse 18. He says, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. I marked in my Bible three years and 15 days. There's, there's a little humor here, I think. Three years in God's school and 15 days with Peter. Uh, let me ask you a question. If you'd gotten saved in the early New Testament church, Peter's a celebrity. I mean, let's just be honest. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved. That's a guy I'd like to hang out with for a few minutes. But Paul said, I, I went up to him eventually and spent 15 days with him. But before God let me do that, he let me spend three years just with the Lord. Uh, do, you, do you see the emphasis here? Not men, but God. Not men, but God. And I think all of us have to go back, hit the spiritual reset button, and remember who it was that saved us who it was that worked in our hearts, who it was that ha has been that's brought us to this point. It's the Lord. And don't get so fixated on people right now. I'm telling you, that's a disillusioned life. That's a disappointing way to live. Keep your eyes on the Lord. 
And look how the chapter ends. You, you can study the rest of the book out for yourself. I hope you will. But look at verse 24. And they glorified God in me. So the glory, not men, but God. Who gets the glory for this? That's one of the great tests. I'm convinced it's one of the real obstacles to real revival. Uh, men take glory for things they ought not take glory for. Uh, remember, there's one thing in Scripture God says he will not share. He will not share his glory with any other. How many of you are glad God's a sharing God? Anybody else glad God shares? He shares mercy and grace and wisdom and power and strength and love. And I would say, hallelujah, praise God for all of that. But there is one thing he will not share. He will not share his glory. And the minute we start taking credit, we rob God of glory. Uh, one of the preachers that was mightily used to the Lord in, in Britain a generation ago was brought to America to conduct an evangelistic crusade. And they really built it up, promoted it, made a big deal about it. He came and preached for several nights, and it was dead as a hammer. He said, nobody got saved. There was no stirring of the Holy Spirit. There was no response. He said it was the coldest thing he'd ever seen. And he's searching his own heart, trying to figure out if there's something wrong with him. And he was walking down the street, major American city, looked up on the wall. There was a big placard that had been posted there. And his picture, his name, advertising the meeting, and it said, the greatest preacher in the world has come. And he said, at that moment, the Holy Spirit said, that grieves me. And he went over and ripped it off the wall, took it to the committee that had organized the meeting, put it on the table, and he said, I will not preach again until every one of these is taken down. Now, you talk about reverse promotion. They sent out teams all over the city, took down every poster they had put up. <laughs> and they said that night when he stood to preach, the power of God fell. You know what it was? Not men, but God. And so be careful. Be careful of letting men take the center stage, even in your prayers. Get your heart fixed on the Lord. Get your mind consumed with the Lord. Uh, get your priorities fixed on the Lord. And when that happens, when the Lord has his rightful place, then he orders everything else, and he accomplishes what he wants to accomplish. Well, let me pray with you here, and then I know many people are going to pray. Father, thank you for the word of the living God. It does live. Lord, it lives. It abides forever. Let it live in us today. Let the Holy Spirit breathe on the word afresh in us that you breathed out at the first, and make this truth come alive. Lord, help us fall in love with you all over again. Help us get just taken with you, not enamored with men, not distracted by men. Oh, God, may you be the God that receives all worship and praise and glory today. And in our prayers, may we pray big prayers to a big God. May we ponder much on the greatness of God. May we be taken afresh with who you are. Dear Lord, I pray that you'll sanctify these moments we have together and every prayer to the glory of God alone. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.